we wanted to show our kids what hard work looked like. We wanted to show them what perseverance looked like. We wanted them to show we wanted to show them what um working together looked like. We wanted to show them what doing hard things looked like. And taking the easy way out and staying in a comfort zone doesn't always do that for your children. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Impact Without Limits. This is Dale Carmi here with my brother Brian, and um, part two of a special, uh, I guess, recording we have with Angie, Brian's wife, and Lori. Uh, the first episode I thought was outstanding and we had so much good information. We rolled over to this second one. So let's get going. So a question on uh, you two, especially as we got started out, we, we had young families and you talked a little bit about the demands of the kids um, and us being so distracted or so consumed with business. Um, how did you balance family life or how did you, you create um a sense of family despite all the effort going into the business. I think the the best thing that I did for my family was involve Angie's and Angie and Angie's girls in my kids' lives because that was all we had in Albuquerque was your family. Um, we did end up in a wonderful church with wonderful people who became like family. Um, but I think because of how we were forced to have dinners together because of lack of being able to put a meal on the table to get uh, ourselves. Um, I think that our, my three older children for sure have some of the greatest memories of um, our time in Albuquerque because they got to spend so much time with Paige and Julia and, and then, then Mary and Ava, but, but they were younger. Um, so I think for me, one of the ways I kept my head above water, I think, was was our play dates or our um, going to our secret playground. Remember that secret playground we found? Best way that I kept family, um, kept my head above water and kept my family engaged and entertained and um and enjoying life was the time that we spent with Brian and Angie. And and again, by this time I had begun to learn to embrace the different types of adventures and, you know, throwing all five kids in the car and, and, you know, driving to a park and manage them all there by myself. Um, wasn't something I was afraid of anymore. It was, it had become a way of life and, and remind, I just want to remind her, we didn't have any money, so we couldn't like go to jump it up or not that there's one in Albuquerque. We couldn't do any of those things that required money. We didn't have any money for a babysitter. So our kids needed to be with us or each other. Um, When Angie would go to her doctor's appointments, when she was pregnant, I would keep her kids and vice versa. Um, So we learned to, we learned fun ways to have a good time without spending money and just making great experiences for our kids. Yeah, I think you're right. I think having each other's families out there, I mean, it made all the difference. It would have been really hard on either of our families if we had been out there alone. 
And um, as far as like getting through the days, I mean, I think you do find creative ways to pass the time. But I mean, I was, I ended up homeschooling, you homeschooled. Right. And then, I mean, I think just between meeting daily requirements, I think you just kind of, there's an element of you just do what you need to do. Right, you just do do what you need to do. I don't even know if I can pinpoint like super specific things because you just do what you need to do. Right, you just go through your normal routine. Yeah. I think our normal normal routine maybe was just longer because our guys didn't work a normal work day. So our, you know, we would would often be also putting them to bed, bathing them and putting them to bed. Um, But yeah, I think we just... I think it became just what we what we did. It was it was what we knew we needed to do to give these guys the freedom to build what they were building, and um, it was it wasn't always easy. It was sometimes really challenging when somebody was sick, or I felt like we were sick all the time when we first moved, and that was pretty oh hard. Pink eye. Oh, oh my gosh, the pink I eye. hated the pink eye. Oh, oh golly, the pink PTSD. eye. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think we just went through our normal routine. And I think it did help that we homeschooled because it put some kind of structure to our day. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah. I kind of homeschooled by default because I remember actually the day that we were supposed to go to the open house for Julia's kindergarten orientation at, it was Albuquerque Christian School, I yep. think. Um, that was the day we learned about the bankruptcy. That was the only time Brian has ever called me and said, are you sitting down? And I, of course, thought he was joking. I'm like, no, what? He's like, no, seriously, sit down. I was actually very pregnant with Meredith at that time. So it's probably, that might have been maybe another time my knees might have gotten a little shaky if I hadn't been sitting down. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me follow up on that one. <clears throat> so you're talking about when we got the call from our parent company at that time was SRI Sports telling us they filed bankruptcy and we were done. We were out of business. And we're at that point a year and a half into our journey in Albuquerque. I mean, what were you thinking when you heard that? And and how do you guys handle that? And you know, what's your reaction? How do we move forward? Well, I think, I mean, initially it's just shocking. I just remember... Brian, we got off the phone, and I just remember staying seated in that chair and just yelling, Lord, now what? And it was like an honest question to God. Like, we came here because we felt like we needed to come here. And of course, he had had it all worked out. You know, of course he did. But um, <clears throat> you don't know that in the moment, and you're just, you just have faith that it's it, – that he's going to just guide your next step. And I think something else that's important in that moment, I remember thinking when we moved to Albuquerque, you know, like the guy said, it was really hard on our families at home that we were leaving with our children and taking them out there. However, my parents were very supportive. And I think knowing that you have a support system um, gives you a little more courage, I think, So as far as like, you know, knowing that we could go out and do what we need to do. And I didn't want to go home a failure and I didn't want to like have to go back and, you know, ask for help. But I also knew that we could. And I think in that moment, um, I knew that in the back of my mind, but 
I didn't want to go that route and I, I wanted to press on. But again, it was still a comfort to know that. I unfortunately did not have the supportive family back home that Angie is referring to. Um, I had the family that told us we were crazy nuts. Why would we do that? Um, what are you thinking? So I, I remember when Dale told me that they filed bankruptcy. And again, we didn't file bankruptcy. Sorry. Just we just sure. want that on record. It was not <laughs> when us. the parent company found bankruptcy and essentially we were out of business. I, I remember being shocked because. I didn't know something like that could happen. Then, then, then there was that initial thought of, well, I guess we'll go back home because I didn't know what else we were going to do. Um, Brian and Dale had already said that they, you know, they liked this arrangement. They didn't want to spec their own grass. They didn't want to have their own grass company. And they just wanted to sell for somebody, basically sell for somebody else that was already established. And so, um, there was a part of me that thought, oh, we're going to go back home. And and, th- and there was a little bit of an excitement about that. But I, like Angie, I, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to be forced back because of what had happened. I, if we were going to go back to Ohio, I wanted it to be because we chose to, and, which is what we did. We did come back to Ohio because we chose to. Um, this was years and years later, though. Okay, not years and years, because we were really only there for about five years, but it felt like years and years when you're in the thick of it. But I didn't want my family to be right. (laughs) I wanted, I wanted, um, I I had belief that that you guys were going to be successful. Yeah, we wanted to win, right? Yeah, we wanted to win. And I'm not a very competitive person, but I wanted to win. Okay, uh, Angie and Lori, we established, we were out there, we had kids, times were tough. How do you... What what do you tell somebody that is in that situation? Because certainly the the challenge of having the kids and what you're up against could either be an excuse for not doing something or a reason to do something. How did you guys view it? And what would your encouragement to others be? So I guess um, when I think about that question, I'm kind of like looking around at culture and um, what kind of the norm is. And I think the norm is that people use their children as an excuse, not, not to pursue something uh, because they want stability for them. They want, um, the comforts and all of that. And I, I don't know that I, well, I know that I don't agree with that. Um, in all cases, I, I know that we wanted to show our kids what hard work looked like. We wanted to show them what perseverance looked like. We wanted them to show we wanted to show them what um working together looked like. We wanted to show them what doing hard things looked like. And taking the easy way out and staying in a comfort zone doesn't always do that for your children. Um I know that our older kids though they were protected from uh, they didn't completely understand the state that we were in in Albuquerque. And when I mean the state that we were in financially, they, they maybe didn't weren't old enough to quite understand, but when they became old enough and we would talk about those times, um, they have thanked me for them because they, we were living a life before we went to Albuquerque work. We did what we wanted when we wanted uh, and our kids really didn't want for much of anything. And when we went to Albuquerque, it was a, a whole new way for them. And I'm grateful for those years, even though they were difficult and hard. I wouldn't trade them for a million dollars because it taught me 
so many things. It taught me that because I've chosen to be a stay-at-home mom, I have a college education, but I've chosen to stay home and raise my family because that is what I feel God has placed, um, the calling God has placed on on my heart. And because of that choice, I always looked at Dale as our provider. And it was those years in Albuquerque that I had a real shift in my thinking when I realized that Dale may bring the money home, but it's by God's grace. God is providing him with a job um, to do, and that is how we have been able that he's been able to bring that money home. So that shift that took place in my mind, I was able to share that with the children and help them understand that every single thing we have is from because of God's grace and His goodness. And those lessons were they're just too important. I would live those yucky years again, those tough years again, to be able to teach my kids that. In fact, my older kids will often tell the younger kids that they don't, they they didn't experience what they experienced, so they don't have a an appreciation for what uh, Dad and Uncle Brian have built. So, I bet your younger kids love hearing that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> as do yours, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, when we moved out, Julia and Paige were very young. They were two and three. And so they didn't know the difference. Um, But I will say in general, um, when we moved out there, of course, of course, we considered our family and our kids, but that was not our primary consideration. I think that you, we didn't revolve our decisions around the kids. I don't think that that's healthy anyways, but, um, so the kids were along for the ride. Like we didn't make decisions based on whether or not they were going to be happy about it. Like when Brian moved to Albuquerque in September and I was packing the house and digging the giant hole and painting the deck and all that. I mean, you know what? My kids watch too many cartoons, but they're fine. Right. Like they are well adjusted. And I think, you know, you sacrifice some of that, but it it's for the best because, yeah, they go through like a little bit of uncomfortableness or like, uh, you know, oh, mom's doing this again. But you know what? They're watching mom do this again. And I think that that's invaluable. Correct. I think you two both did a good job of um, involving the kids in the adventure, but not making the kids the center of our adventure. Like mm-hmm. our, our lives were were built around our marriages and what God has called mm-hmm. our, our, us to do. And we included the kids in that. Correct. But it was never like you said, we didn't revolve our decisions around the kids. Right. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. And I think that that gives them such a sense of like belonging and like importance when they're a part of a unit that's moving like that. All right. I, I'm going to tee up Lori here on, on something in particular. Um, and this this has to do with the impact of those around us. We were out in Albuquerque. We did not have our family with us other than Brian and Angie, but we did get involved in church and, and we did develop a few friends while we were out there. And there were two stories, Lori, I want to mention and then j- just get your take on them. One was, and it was during a time when we literally did not have money to buy food, that there was a couple from our, our church Sunday school, our church group, that one day just came up and, and handed us an envelope, and then it was a $100 gift card to Smith's, which was the local grocery store. And they just said, um, 
God just put us on, put it on our heart to give this to you. We don't know why. We hope it's beneficial. And um, I remember, I, I think I, I cried when I got it and opened it because that was so much money and so impactful at that moment. And then another time was when I was, it was maybe a year or two later and it was traveling and we were starting to set up dealers and things. And I had trouble keeping up with stuff at home and, and Curtis Brickley came over and mowed our yard. Wasn't asked, wasn't required. It was just something he came over and, and did to help us. And I was just, I wanted to get your take on those two stories or if there was something else that really jumped out at you at um, other people helping us out. I, I remember being completely blown away actually um, when that couple from our church handed us that envelope and you looked inside and saw the gift card because we had just had a discussion on the way to church about I didn't know how I was going to get any groceries this week um, because there just wasn't any money. And um, I just remember being so grateful to them for following the calling that God had placed on their heart to do that for us. And um, it was such a welcome sight. It it truly was. And I still remember looking out, seeing Curtis out there mowing our lawn. And he had three young kids himself, but he had taken time away and mowed our lawn for us. That was huge. I also want to mention Penelope, my friend Penelope out in Albuquerque, such a dear, dear, sweet friend. I was on bed rest when I was pregnant with Colton and Jenna was a toddler and the three other kids were in school at that time. They, they, they had gone back to school. McKenna had gone back to school or no, that was before they had gone back to school. McKenna was in kindergarten. Yes, that's right. So it was before I started homeschooling. Um, So we had somebody picking them up and bringing them home from school for us. And Penelope would come over and Penelope Penelope had a big family herself, but she would come over and gather up my laundry and wash my laundry and bring it back to me. And um, I just remember like that whole acts of service is such my love language. It was like, it was like balm to my soul because somebody recognized a need and acted on it. And then um, we had some women from the church before I went into labor with Colton. I'd been on bed rest for a while and they came over, I think it was the Saturday before I went into labor and um, cleaned the whole house, windows, everything. And just how impactful that was for me to watch because I've tried to um, model my life after that. I've, I've tried to to see how you can help and to see, you know, help with your actions, help with your words, help with your financial um, contributions. And I think it's almost becoming a lost art in our, um, in our culture. We're so self-focused that we don't really see others or their struggles. Um, And I'm not saying that we bail people out of their situations if they're making bad choices, um, but we certainly can look at somebody who is, is going through something challenging and, and offer a hand in whatever ways you are able to do that. Um, and I think that's also something that my children have been able to watch me do. And now I'm watching them as adult children do it. And it's, it's pretty remarkable actually to see, um, to see them be other focused, others focused. Your story just reminds me of like, um, the times that we get to in our lives, um, where, we're at the end of what we can do. And I think as far as the business stories go and the personal stuff that we lived out there, like, you know, we both had pregnancies out there. 
no money, no help, you know, and to, to see people gather around you like that and take care of your needs is truly feeling the hand of God take care of you. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, faith is strengthened when you get to the end of your rope. Correct. You know? This is awesome. I want to say uh, thank you to both of you, first of all, for um, coming on the the podcast today. I know this was out of the comfort zone for both of you, but you did great. So thank you for that. But I think more importantly, I want to say thank you for uh, the way you two uh, believed in us and encouraged us and stood behind us and journeyed with us. And, uh, you know, I could take every no on a sales call. I could take every banker saying, rejecting us and laughing at us. I could take the people at the home show, you know, pointing a finger and saying, who would do that? Because when I came home, I would hear, um, Hey, I believe in you and this is going to work. And, and not even just with words, but your actions. And, and I think, um, you know, they say, Confidence is the best performance-enhancing drug out there, and I think nothing builds uh, my confidence, at least, as much as your belief in me, Angie. So thank you for that, and uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey. So we're not done yet. We're still trucking. But just as we wrap up, is there anything, if you guys were to give one word of advice out there for somebody that maybe it's a business, maybe it's just an adventure, maybe it's just a hard spot in their life, one word of encouragement you could give to somebody out there? do the next thing. I think so much in life, so many hard moments, so many challenging things are made successful by just doing the next thing. And the next thing can be uh, a zillion different things, depending upon what your scenario is, but, but quitting isn't an option. And so you need to figure out what that next, take that next step, do that next thing. I think I would say, to to have belief belief i think in yourself that you can take the next step because you just got to take the next step like you said and i think it's probably also critical to surround yourself with the right people Correct. people that will help you and people that believe in you all right i know we're wrapping up but i want to sneak in one more question for both of you and i want to say tell me a funny story or a funny memory or something that stands out to you in your time in Albuquerque. It doesn't have to be related to the business. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but is is there some funny, humorous, memorable moment that you could share? Yeah, this um, really doesn't have, it has to do with the kids. Um, And she probably won't think this is funny, but I woke up one morning, Paige woke me up and she came in all happy as a lark because she thought she had helped me out. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, when you wake up, you're, you're sort of a little bit out of it. And I literally did like a triple take at her head. She had gone to sleep with pigtails in her hair. And it was the kind of rubber bands, like a real rubber band, not like the nice coated ones now. And I used to like get these little scissors and like hold it up and like snip them out of their hair because they pulled. Well, she had gotten the kitchen shears and she had snipped it out of her hair behind the rubber band so that literally one side of her head felt shaved. Like that took months. So she didn't just cut the rubber band. She cut the whole pigtail off. She cut the whole pigtail off. So there was no coming back from that. That was at the time I was like, 
oh my gosh, but that was one of the funniest memories I think that we had with them out there. I mean, the pictures. I remember when Angie called me actually and told me what she had done. My words were, Angie, it can't be that bad. She goes, oh, Lori, it's pretty bad. I said, well, let me come over. And I walked into the house, took one look, and I said, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with that. <laughs> like, it was so bad. I didn't even try to cut the rest of her hair. Her hair was long. I just found the fattest. Her head was little. She was like two or three. I found the fattest headbands I could find. And it literally covered the entire side of her head. And she wore a headband for six months. And then when it started to grow out a little bit, I gave her a pixie cut. Yeah, you said that's funny. I don't remember you laughing at the time. I think I remember you calling in tears. But okay, it wasn't tears. It was you got, I really you don't cry, shake so down I doubt on that it. One, bro. Yeah, no. Okay. My memory's faulty. Shock, yes. Anger, probably. Tears, not likely. I think probably the most the most fun um, experience that I think, I think I would say it was probably the most fun was our trip to northern New Mexico when we went to the mountains right before Christmas. And oh, yeah. we were going, we were going yeah. sled riding and the kids were a gamut of ages. I don't remember, but I know Colton and Jenna were still little, but we were, we were going to, we, what age were the kids? Well, yes. yes. <laughs> Whatever ages. So they, yeah, we were having a great time. Everybody was sledding. And before we had found the, the hill we ended up using, Dale and I tried out this, um, this oh, hill yeah. kind of through trees. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were both on one of these little plastic sleds together, cruising down the hill and all of a sudden I had the most shearing pain in my butt because we had hit a rock and I broke my tailbone and I just remember yelling my butt my butt (laughs) (laughs) and I couldn't even sit down the rest of the rest of that trip but that trip was a blast so hard she got a crack in her butt Oh yeah, that that was a great trip. We had so much fun. Um, just, I think it was probably so much fun, Angie, because there was no TV, there was no radio, and no fels, no no uh, no internet, no internet. So right. and there was no felt no phone service either. So the guys were like all on, and they were having such a good time. Um, I feel that like was a we great didn't trip. know that information ahead of time. No, we would have probably <laughs> never gotten that cabin had we known. So. Listen, Angie and Lori, thank you. Thank you for um, coming on and, and sharing on this podcast, but just thank you for supporting us and uh, making this all possible because without you two, none of this happens. It, it, you know, who knows where we'd be. So we're very grateful for that. And, you know, uh, those of you that are listening, we just ask you, hopefully you enjoyed this and, and I am sure you got a lot more value out of Angie and Lori than you do out of Brian and me, but uh, we appreciate you listening to this podcast. Well, they can look at the show notes. There are uh, there's a link there. They can sign up for an email that will come out weekly, letting them know about recapping the last show and giving a preview of what's to come. And obviously, uh, if you want to tell other people about it, you can share it on social media. And if you have any questions, feel free to uh, send them in. Yeah, hopefully, this will help you guys all become people of impact. This is the French Army reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.